So on Sunday mornings for the next few weeks, we're, we're on the theme of great is thy faithfulness. And uh, I, said, I said last Sunday that God, God has not just been faithful in the past, but God is also faithful today as well. And, and to, um, to demonstrate that, um, I've asked quite a few folks um, over the next few weeks to, uh, to share testimonies of, of God's faithfulness in their lives and in their families' lives. And this morning, um, we have a testimony from, from Eli and Kayla Edwards. Um, they're a newer family to our church, uh, but uh, man, they, they have such a powerful story, and they're going to come and share um, their testimony with us today. Good morning. Thank y'all for this opportunity to let us uh, share something that God's done in our lives. Um, there's too many things for us to count where he's been faithful in our lives, but this story is especially important to us, so we wanted to share it with y'all. Um, when I was 17 years old, uh, I went to the emergency room with what they thought was appendicitis. Um, so they went in and did surgery, and they found a tumor on my right ovary. So while they were in there, they went ahead and took out my appendix and my right, uh, the tumor off the ovary. So I was waiting to make an appointment with my OBGYN to discuss why it came and what to do. And um, in the following weeks, I didn't get better. I got worse and ended up back at the ER and had to have my right ovary and tube taken out because it had abscessed the size of a grapefruit. Um, so at 17, I lost my right tube and right ovary, and you know, no one could really give me a straight answer whether that meant I would be able to have children or if it would be more difficult or, or what. So um, my whole perspective on life changed. Um, my biggest aspiration was I wanted to get married and I wanted to have children, you know, if if God allowed. So um, fast forward a couple years later, and Eli and I had been married for seven months and we found out that we were expecting. So we were thrilled and we shared it with our families. Um, we were about six weeks and as soon as we found out we were calling our families and telling them and um, went out and even that week too early uh, bought a stroller and baby stuff. Uh, just we were excited. Um, and then on Easter Sunday uh, we were at church and I started having real bad pain in my lower left side. Um, and I tried to ignore it, and we went on to Sunday lunch afterwards, and uh, it got worse and worse. So we called the doctor, and he wanted me to come down and be checked out. So we went, and uh, he did an ultrasound and did blood work, ran all kinds of tests. Um, on the ultrasound, they could not see where on Friday or Thursday before we had had an ultrasound done and everything looked okay. It was too early to see a heartbeat or anything um, but that Sunday they couldn't find the yolk sac where the baby is um, and my hormone level had not tripled like it was supposed to um, the more he looked at the ultrasound there was free fluid there and it looked like blood so he thought that I had um, I was at a high risk for tubal pregnancy and based on the information that he had he thought that I was having a tubal pregnancy um, and that my tube might have ruptured. Um, so we spent hours, um, my preacher came, our families were there, and um, my preacher said to us that we had to go based off of the knowledge that we had. Um, and so we decided, uh, the doctor said it was the best thing to have uh, 
to go in laparoscopically and look and see what was going on and to have a DNC, which would mean that I wouldn't be pregnant anymore. So I went into surgery and Eli was there when they came out. I don't remember that part. But. Yeah, so I went in uh, after the doctor came back, you know, after her surgery was finished up. Uh, he explained to us that, you know, the free fluid that had been seen in, you know, her body cavity, what he believed to be was, for one, was actually a cyst that had ruptured and was bleeding, uh, but also that she had a tumor on her left ovary, about the size of an egg. Um, that had been the cause of, of the pain and the discomfort there. Also that from previous surgeries that she'd had in the past, uh, there was extensive scar tissue, you know, in her body cavity there and that we had made the right decision. He said, you know, there's no way that you would have went term. You know, you, you wouldn't have had a pregnancy that made it. It's God's will that you know, maybe this happened now and not, you know, a month or two or three into a pregnancy and, you know, be more heartbreaking. You know, that's hard to say more heartbreaking, but uh, so you know, we finish up with that and then you go back to that. And that was one thing I was also grateful for. Um, that the doctor, you know, he was faithful and he prayed with us too, you know, and he even said, you know, that he had prayed for us, you know, so that gave us extra comfort. But um, so we went home from the hospital and I thought that, you know, I'd lost my baby and I was devastated, but, you know, we had had the comfort that knowing that, she, you know, the baby wouldn't have made it to term. Um, so Eli had just started a new job and that Monday was supposed to be his first day. So he had to miss it from being at the hospital with me. So um, my follow-up appointment was on that Wednesday and my aunt drove me to it so he could go to work. And my aunt's the type of person who writes everything down. She's that person in our family. So I took her with me so that she could help me remember what the doctor was saying. Um, so I went and we were supposed to get the pathology reports of what the tissue was that they found. Um, and I went to the doctor and um, he had a serious look on his face and he said, you know, we didn't find any pregnancy tissue in the box or pathology report. And so I was just starting to feel frustrated because we had just went through this and then it was still there in my tube, you know, so was I gonna have to go through another surgery again? And uh, so he said he wanted to do an ultrasound to look and make sure that they hadn't missed the pregnancy in my tube. So he went and got the ultrasound machine and came back and uh, he started doing the ultrasound and all of a sudden he looked very concerned and so I started freaking out and said, you know, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he looked really contently, you know, at the, the screen and said, well, it looks like you're still pregnant. And um, so I started crying and my aunt dropped her pen and stood up and walked over there to look at the screen. Um, so we didn't get any more notes after that. But uh, uh, we looked and, uh, you know, we got excited and uh, he said, you know, don't, don't be too excited now because there's still a high chance that you're gonna miscarry after the trauma to the area and the anesthesia. And um, when they did the laparoscopy, they also did a DNC. So if you're not familiar with that procedure, I mean, they clean the inside of your uterus out and you don't have anything for the baby to stay attached to. Um, but on the ultrasound machine, it looked like you could see blood here and you could see blood here and it looked like God just had his hand wrapped around her in there. And you could see the little heartbeat where you couldn't see anything three days before. So, um, 
So we were very, um, I had to take progesterone to try and build back up the line out of my uterus. Um, it was, you know, I was anxious for months, you know, was I going to lose the baby? Was it going to be preterm? Um, and then once we got closer, you know, it was always in the back of my mind, is this child going to have developmental delays? Is um, there going to be something physically wrong with her, you know, because of what the child had gone through early on? Um, and so we went full term and we had a baby girl and we named her Gracie because it was by God's grace that we had her and she is a straight A student and good at sports, she's good at everything she does, has the best personality and she's turning 11 years old tomorrow. So Gracie, will you stand up? This is our miracle, Gracie. Um, and after that, after our God gave us one miracle. Um, I had other reproductive surgeries, and I only had like a third of an ovary left, and so we kind of figured we wouldn't have children. I had a couple miscarriages, um, and then we got pregnant with our younger daughter, Caroline, and had another healthy pregnancy, and she's a healthy baby girl, so um, we're just grateful that God allowed us to be parents, and when we felt like we didn't have hope, he gave us hope. I said this this morning, you know, if if God can do this for us, you know, what can he do for your lives in your circumstance? He'll meet you wherever you are. Just uh, meet him back. Thank you. We have a picture of that ultrasound um, to show you. There she is. And I, and I think every time, every time you, you wonder, is, is God faithful? Is he going to come through? You have, you have that to be reminded of. The Lord is faithful. Uh, what a miracle. Um, thank you all for, for sharing your story. When I, when I spoke to them a while back um, and they were telling me their testimony, I, I immediately heard the word faithfulness. And uh, their, their story actually inspired the, the sermon series. Um, and, and, and then the word rest, the word rest. Throughout a circumstance like that, throughout a story like that, we have to rest in God's plan, don't we? You have to rest in what he's doing. Uh, man, man is so limited in his understanding, uh, his abilities, his power, but God is unlimited. And so rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. That is our, that is our theme today. To God be the glory. That, that is a wonderful testimony. Thank you all for sharing again. Um, Psalm chapter 23 is where we're going to be today. Psalm 23. And uh, your Bibles may automatically go to it. Um, it's, it's such a well-known passage of Scripture, um, but, but that's all right. There, there's something that uh, the Lord has for us today in, in the 23rd Psalm. When you find your place in God's Word, would you stand as we read um, to, to give honor and reverence to the reading of His Word? Psalm 23. We're going to talk about this morning resting in God's faithfulness. Resting in God's faithfulness. Can we do this today? We didn't do this in first service. Can we do this? Can we read? this psalm aloud together. Can we do that? All right. First verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the 23rd Psalm, it's probably the, uh, the most read passage in all of Scripture ne- next to John 3.16 or Philippians 4.13. I mean, there are 150 Psalms in the Bible, 150 Psalms. And the 23rd Psalm is, is the most quoted by far, the most recited, the most memorized. Uh, uh, even, even when you think about like cards that have been made, the 23rd Psalm probably is the most uh, inscribed uh, words on a card that there could be. Even unbelievers who, who are far from God uh, know or have heard uh, the 23rd Psalm at some point in their life. Augustine was a 4th and 5th century Christian theologian, and, and he commented that the 23rd Psalm was the martyr's hymn. When, when, uh, when, when in his day, uh, people were being killed for their faith in Christ, they would often quote the 23rd Psalm, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil. Um, uh, he, he, he recounted on that in, in some, of his, uh, some of his writings. Abraham Lincoln he quoted the 23rd Psalm or would often refer to the 23rd Psalm during deep days of depression during the, uh, the Civil War. Uh, and, then, and then after September 11th happened here in the U.S., President George Bush, he, he recited the 23rd Psalm to, to give our nation a, a means of peace and comfort. Uh, one writer said it this way, this is a psalm that a child can grasp, but also it's the kind of psalm that a theologian could drown in. It's that deep. It's, it's an unfortunate thing, but oftentimes, where do you hear the 23rd Psalm the most? You, you hear it at a funeral, right? Um, and and that's, that's not wrong. I mean, I, I, I've used the 23rd Psalm at funerals before. It, there, there are great words of comfort to those that are grieving, but I believe that there is more in this text about life than there is about death. Okay? And, and so, in every season of life, we have reason to know that, that God is faithful. And if we're focusing on that theme, great is thy faithfulness, I'm moved in my heart today for us to rest in the faithfulness of God when we read the Psalms. And so in this text, we get a close and personal encounter with the Lord, Jehovah Rohi. That, that Jehovah Rohi means the Lord is my shepherd. Um, David, David is the one who wrote the psalm, okay? King David, shepherd David, he's, he's the one who's credited with the psalm. It's probably some 3,000 years old. Some think that David wrote it while he was a young man, uh, uh, tending his herds. Uh, you know, he, he was a shepherd before he was a king, but um, uh, maybe, maybe he did write it then. Some, some believe that he was an older man, and he's, and he's reflecting on, on his life, and he's reflecting on the goodness of God throughout his life. Um, I tend to think that David wrote it when he was going through a very difficult time, a trying time, a hardship in his life. David, David spent most, a lot of his life on the run, um, before he became king, there was a king who wanted to take his life because David was going to become king. His name was Saul. And then, there, then after he was king, David's own son Absalom wanted to kill him. And, and so David spent a lot of time in caves, a lot of times in desert places. And, and so uh, maybe David wrote from a king's perspective saying that even though I'm going through uh, the, the valley of the shadow of death, I, I'm confident that God will deliver me. He was resting in his shepherd. David is writing, and this, and this psalm is all about the Lord being his shepherd. And so, and so we can relate. 
and that's how, that's how David is writing. He, he's writing in a relatable way because he was a shepherd, all right? And so, and so if you didn't remember, David, before he ever was a great king, he was a little lowly shepherd. And so wherever he was in his life, he's able to look back on it and he's able to remember that God has been faithful to him and he was able to rest in that. And so from those reflections, whatever David had been through, wherever he had been, he was able to produce one of the most powerful songs in all of Scripture. This is a personal song. Even though uh, uh, the flock, you know, a shepherd and his flock, you know, that's implied in this text. I I know that. That's not what David uh, meant or had in mind. Uh, What David had in mind was his relationship with the Lord God himself. Okay, he, he's focusing in on what God meant to him personally. So 17 times, as we read, 17 times in this psalm, David refers to himself. 13 times he refers to the relationship he has with God. What, what does that tell us? That tells us that, that David knew that God would provide every need that he had, that, that God was going to provide physically for him, that God was going to provide spiritually for him. He knew that God would be present. He knew that in every circumstance, God would be all-powerful. He knew that in every circumstance, God is good. So, so whatever the psalmist faced, he could rest in the fact that his shepherd, the Lord, was always there. As we read through the psalm, and we're going to study it tonight as well, I, I, want to, I want to give you kind of an idea of how the Lord ministers through us through the words of the psalm. So if you're discouraged today, or, or you're going through a season of, of depression, know that God provides rest and refreshment. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. If you have committed sin, all, all of us have, but if you've committed sin and you have lost joy and having right fellowship with God, David wrote, he restores my soul. When, when I'm unsure of the future, we, we heard a, a testimony of that today. When we're unsure of the future, when we're, when, we, when we're uncertain, when there's complexities in life, when I'm confused, when I'm frightened, uh, when, when I'm unsure of what the future holds, when I'm, when I'm tempted to give in to my, my unbelief, we read, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his glory. If I'm afraid of death and, and, and I'm, 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 I'm wondering about the certainty of life after the grave, David wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. When I have enemies, when there are people who are against me or opposed to me, when, when there's those who hate me, uh, I can remember what David said. He prepares a table before, in the presence of my enemies before me, prepares a, a table. That, that is powerful. If, I, if, I'm, if, if I'm in a moment of weakness, and maybe I feel like that uh, what I'm doing in Jesus' name isn't producing fruit, or, I, or, or I'm serving the Lord, or I'm ministering, and I'm wondering, does this really matter? Uh, is this doing any good? David writes, he anoints my head with oil. Perhaps I'm in a season where I, all I can do is complain, <laughs> and I'm grumbling a lot, and, and, and maybe, maybe my, my, heart is, my heart is being overwhelmed with, with evil. David wrote, my cup runneth over. Do I need greater vision? I, I need direction on, on which way I should go. I need to hear from the Lord more than I need to hear from myself. We read, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see, there is something for everyone in this song. 
And so as we've read it together, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you this morning and this evening uh, some emphatic statements about finding rest in God's faithfulness. Here's the one thing I want you to get today. Okay, the one thing. Here it is. I can find rest in God's faithful relationship with me. I can find rest. I'm not talking about like just a two-hour nap. I'm talking about eternal rest. I can find rest. Bless you. I can find rest in God's faithful relationship with me. Uh, Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is what? Whose shepherd is the Lord? Say it aloud. Who's who's shepherd? He's mine. Okay, can we be a little more confident and joyful now? Who is our shepherd? The Lord is whose shepherd? Mine. Mine. The Lord is my shepherd. So, so he uses the, the word Lord. Okay, we see the word, the Lord is my shepherd. Those two words together is Jehovah Roha. Jehovah Roha. And, and, and so when he calls the Lord Jehovah, the word Jehovah means, or the name Jehovah means the self-existing one, which means God has no source of beginning. He always has been. All right. The, the Lord is a self-existing one. This is one of the primary names for the Lord. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, the name Jehovah actually describes uh, the words to be in, in every facet, okay? In, in every tense of the word. It means the Lord has been, the Lord is, the Lord will be. The Lord was, the Lord is right now, the Lord will be in the future. In other words, God is a covenant-keeping God who does not fail. So we see God's nature on full display. David from the start says, the Lord jehovah Roah is my shepherd. The Lord Jehovah, the covenant-making God of Israel. You also see Jehovah on display throughout this whole text. I'm going to show you how. When when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. So we see Jehovah Jireh there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down uh, in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Jehovah Shalom, that means the Lord of our peace. When David writes, he restores my soul, that's Jehovah Rapha, uh, or or Rapha. That means that the Lord who heals, or Rapha, he leads me in paths of righteousness. That's Jehovah Sitkanu. That is the Lord is our righteousness. You are with me. You are with me, he writes. That is Jehovah Shammah. That is the Lord is there. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's Jehovah Nisi. This is my favorite. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord is my banner. You anoint my head with oil, he writes. That's Jehovah Makedesh. That is the Lord who sanctifies. Isn't that neat that that you see Jehovah on display throughout the 23rd Psalm? He's everything we need. That's That's what we get. The Lord is everything we need. And this shepherd, David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. He he is mine. He's my shepherd. John Phillips said it so well. He said, it's not enough to own the Lord as a shepherd. Because if he's just a shepherd, then he just, he, he's just with all the other shepherds, okay? All the other fathers of the world's religions. It's not enough to own him as the shepherd, for that simply sets him apart from everybody else. He says, we have to establish a personal relationship with him. That's why it's so special when it says, the Lord is my shepherd. That speaks of a deep personal relationship with the Lord, fellowship with the Lord. The Lord was not a generic shepherd to David. He was not a shepherd. He is my shepherd, my personal shepherd. The the Lord is my shepherd actually means, translated, it means in the Hebrew, it means the Lord shepherds me. 
The Lord shepherds me. Um, as a minister, we're often called the under-shepherd in the church. I serve under the head, Jesus Christ. But I'm a shepherd of the church. I'm a pastor of the church. Shepherds lead. Shepherds lead. Ranchers drive, okay? Ranchers drive or they steer, but shepherds, shepherds they lead. Shepherds in the eastern part of the world, they did everything they could to protect the, 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 the life of the sheep, okay? They, they guarded their sheep. They fed their sheep. They gave them food. They gave them water. They, they took care of them. When, when a sheep was injured, when there was a bruise or a cut uh, uh, or, or a scrape, the, the shepherd would heal them. Um, uh, when, when, when they stray off because sheep wander. The shepherd would often go after them and, and, and try to bring them back into the fold. He'd lead them back into the fold. The, the, the shepherd would know every one of his sheep by name. If there was a pregnant sheep, they would assist the pregnant mother sheep in having their lambs. In every way, a shepherd loved his sheep. Here, here's the thing about even if the shepherd didn't own the sheep, Hey, even if there was a farmer who owned the sheep, the shepherd, his job, his responsibility was to treat the sheep as if they were his because he had to give an account for every sheep in the fold, okay? If a sheep went missing, the shepherd goes and gets the sheep. The, the shepherd would place himself in, in Eastern, in Eastern, Eastern way of life, the shepherd would place himself in harm's way just to protect his sheep from predators. There were no fences in David's day. We didn't have organized farms. They led for, they, they, the shepherds would lead them from pasture to pasture. And, and so the sheep were too valuable to him for, for him to lose. All right, they're too valuable for him to lose. So the word translated in, in verse 2 to lead, when we read that he leads me beside still waters, it means that he leads them gently. You can't drive sheep. Okay, do, do, you have, do we have any sheep farmers in the, in the room today? Any? You can't drive them. They're, they're stubborn. They're silly. They're stupid. Okay, all right. So, so you can't drive them. You have to lead them. All right? And, and, so, and so the sheep would hear and know the shepherd's voice and follow the leadership of the shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus said that. So as a shepherd... God gives us direction. He is our shepherd. He is our good shepherd. God gives us direction. He leads us. Now, now I don't know what your high school was like, but, but did anybody, I know in Polk County it's very popular, did any of you in high school participate in FFA? Any future farmers? Okay, did any of you future farmers actually become farmers? All right, so, so here's the thing about it. Psalm 23 doesn't make a lot of sense to people that have never, have never been around farming before, uh, but I'm going to try my best to, to share this with you. Most of us don't even know a shepherd, okay? Most of us don't. Uh, it's not like one of those normal occupations that we have in our society. It's not an ordinary occupation, but David himself, he was a shepherd in Bethlehem, and he, he came from a family of shepherds. And so we know that David, he was out, you know, he was out often with his sheep and, and, and before, before he was selected to be the king of Israel. And the idea of God being our shepherd is one of the most, without a doubt, comforting realities of the Lord, metaphors in all of Scripture. So, so the picture here is this, is that a shepherd is lovingly caring, leading his sheep. And Psalm 23 implies that God cares deeply about his flock, about individual sheep. He cares about all of us, yes, as a whole, but he cares individually about each one of his sheep. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but you, you realize that sheep, they don't, they don't take very good care of themselves on their own. Sheep will die 
unless they have a shepherd who will take care of them. Uh, Sheep require more meticulous care and attention than any other form of livestock. And it's no surprise, okay, it's no surprise that Scripture over 200 times refers to us, God's people, as his sheep. It's not an insult, folks. We've said this before. It's not an insult that God would compare us to sheep. It's just a, a matter of reality of how we are in relationship with God. For example, in Isaiah 53, Isaiah said that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have tried to go in life at times our own way. Some of us are still trying to do things on our own. That's why we have no rest. That's, that's what sheep do. Now, they're valuable to the shepherd. Back in, back in 2005, in eastern Turkey, um, there were 1,500 sheep that were gathered together in one spot. And there were several flocks, they had several shepherds. They all got together, they put their flocks in one place. And the shepherds, they went off and they had breakfast together one morning. And so they thought the sheep would be fine. Well, apparently, nobody was left watching the sheep. 1,500 sheep. Well, suddenly, one sheep, one little sheep, had the idea. And here's the idea. I'm going to go jump off of that cliff. That's what that sheep's idea was. And evidently... Evidently, he told 400 other sheep, because it's a true story, 400 sheep all jump off a cliff to their death. When when, when they put the estimated loss together, the sheep were $74,000 gone. I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. (laughs) You get that? They cost that much money. They lost valuable to the shepherd. Evidently, the shepherds weren't doing a very good job of keeping their flocks. So, so when, when I look in, in Scripture, one of the only times that you ever see sheep ever seen in favorable light is when they're under the care of the good shepherd. That's when it's a good thing to be a sheep. When you're following the leadership of God, your shepherd. Now, now David being a shepherd, he doesn't write this to insult himself or to put himself down, uh, uh, or anybody else that's reading it, to, to put them down. He's, he's, just, he's just saying that I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the fact that God is my shepherd. Jehovah's my shepherd. It's kind of like a, a, a child uh, bragging about his dad saying, look who my dad is. There, there he is. It's David saying, look who my shepherd is. Look who my father is. Look at who my owner, my manager is. The Lord is my shepherd. How many of you own pets? How many of you own sheep as pets? Have you ever, have you ever been out and, and you see someone, and you see, maybe you see their yard, and you see they have a lot of animals or something, and you're like, they really shouldn't own pets. You know, maybe, maybe the dogs are barking crazily. Maybe they're digging holes. Maybe they're digging holes in the yard. Maybe they go and use the, re- the bathroom in your yard, and you stepped in it one day. I don't know. But you look at them, and you're like, they shouldn't have pets. They don't take good care of their pets. Or maybe you're on the other end. Maybe you take really good care of your pets. Maybe too good care of your pets. Have you ever been in the park and you see this stroller and you're like, oh, look, a cute couple pushing their baby. And you go to look in to see the baby and it's a dog. (laughs) I'm not making fun of anybody that may do that. I'm just saying that's not what you expect. Okay, now now let's put this in the If you were an animal, if you were someone's pet, which would you rather have? Would you rather have the owner who just lets you do whatever and, and you, they don't care about you? You have no boundaries whatsoever. You get in all kinds of trouble. Or would you like to be like Paris Hilton's pet and be carried in a purse all the time? I mean, what would you like? Would you rather be pampered or spoiled? Or would you like to be just left to yourself to die? <laughs> 
When we're talking about the Lord is my shepherd, these are David's bragging rights. I am the Lord's, I am the Lord's sheep. He is my shepherd. And I'm thankful for that. Great is the faithfulness of God. I rest in that. It implies the utmost care. When when he says the Lord is, focusing on that word is, he's saying right now in the present tense, right now God is my shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord was my shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord will be my shepherd. He says the Lord is my shepherd. Right now, he's my shepherd. He takes care of me right now. He, he is mine. God, God's not just interested in the group. He is interested in the group, but he's not just interested in the group. He's interested in the individual. It says, I shall not want. I love this part. Uh, in other words, I have what I need. God provides everything I've ever needed. Uh, God has covered all of my needs. I lack nothing. I am blessed. Some Christians trust God to save them for eternity, but they won't trust him with the day. That makes no sense to me. I'll trust God to save me for eternity, but I won't trust him right now to provide, right now in the moment, every need that I have. Every need, David says, is provided by the shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord. Apart from him, there's nothing we should need or even desire. God is our substance, our shepherd. David's assurance that every need of his life would be supplied for was not hanging on how good he was. David was a good king. David was a, he was a rich king. David was a great king. David could perform. He was a mighty warrior of a man. But he realized the Lord is my shepherd. In him I have no need. I trust in God. I don't trust in myself. I don't trust in my flesh. I don't trust in my own understanding. I don't trust in my own care. I don't trust in my own, own leading. I trust in my shepherd, my Lord. I am, I am his. He is mine. He is my good shepherd, my faithful shepherd. And his leading and caring and nurturing and faithful shepherd would be with him every moment of every day because the Lord is presently all the time my shepherd. God is our provider. Amen. You know, what, what, you don't sound so sure of that. God is my provider. Amen? Amen. So, so, so whatever your needs may be, he has promised. Here, here it is in the 23rd Psalm. He has promised to take care of you. I, I, I think in, in the 23rd Psalm's context, I think David is looking back on his life. Maybe God had given him an ultrasound of, of what his life was like. And, and, God, and God just reminded him, I'm faithful I've provided for you day in and day out. I've done amazing things for you. And there were moments, especially when he was on the run from other kings who wanted to take his life, where he was hungry and alone and in fear of losing his life. Yet David never unwavered from his faith or wavered from his faith because his faith was in the Lord. And today, and today, if you're facing a time of loneliness, turn to God. Rest in God, knowing that He is your closest friend. If there's a physical need in your life, if, there, if there's a financial need in your life, we have to trust in God even, even when the bank account says different, don't we? We need to pray about those things. He, he will provide the resources that you need to get through the, the difficulties, to get through the crisis. Uh, thankfully, David learned these truths throughout his life. And as he grew older in his life, maybe life brought many twists and turns that he wasn't expecting, but he doesn't falter in his faith. Maybe today... Um, there's a relationship in your life that has been, that has been strained and, and you've longed for it to be restored, but you're not sure how to go about it. God is faithful. God will bring that relationship to restoration in his time. Regardless of what the need is, he's aware of it. 
but he wants you to reach to him and, and pray and, and seek wisdom and help. Maybe you've waited a long time for God's answer and you wonder if he has forgotten you. Kind of like Sunday school this morning, talking about Lazarus. He, he, he was dead for four days and people had just given up. Maybe, maybe you're waiting for, for, for God and, and wondering, has he, has he forgotten where I am right now, what I'm going through right now? And the answer is no. He may require for you to wait a longer season to test your faith. But when provision is needed, God's not holding anything back from your life. He's not. He, he's not. God will send it in his way and his will. He's never late. He's always on time. Our responsibility, though, is to trust him. Our responsibility is to rest in him. And God, God will be bound to his promise. He's as good as his word. And he, he will see you through the greatest needs of your life. I want to I ask this today as we go into a time of invitation. Are you resting today? Are you resting in God's faithfulness? You be honest with that question. I mean, are you at rest at all today? And what's happening in your life? Some of us are, honestly are not, okay? Because our worry reflects our, our not resting, our, unre- our restlessness. We're, we're worried about many things. We're anxious about many things. A lot of times we're worried about those physical needs and we're worried sick about this relationship or that. We're worried to tears over the future. We want to try to control things. We want to take matters into our own hands. We want to lead our own lives. We want to meet our own needs. We don't want to wait for the Lord. Some of us are restless today because we're leading the way. And that's why we're miserable. That's not resting. When we talk about resting, we're able to say as David, David is, the Lord is my shepherd always. And in him I have no need. He's my provider. He's my Lord. I trust him alone. And I rest in knowing he will carry me. He will take care of me. He knows what's best. He's faithful. He's in control. I wonder how many of us today need to hear rest. Rest in the Lord. He loves you. He is good. He is faithful. He, he, is, he is for you. His plan is greater than our own. We've heard testimony of that today, that, that God is at work even when we don't feel like or we don't see it or we think all hope is on. God is faithful. Maybe today we need the Lord to be our personal shepherd. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Do you have that kind of, that he is your personal shepherd? Now, not to steal into tonight's message, but the relationship is precious. It's not just personal, but it's precious, it's valuable. He says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The word restore means he brings back my soul. He saves my soul. And that's something, he gives his life for me. Isn't that a picture of Christ for his bride? That that is a beautiful, a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He leaves 99, Jesus says, he'll leave 99 sheep that are saved to find the one lost sheep. Isn't that what Christ has, has done for us? He gave himself for us. You are precious to him. It is a personal relationship. And he wants today to be your personal savior and shepherd. Would you stand today as we um, close this time of prayer and invitation? Just bow your heads with me. We're going we're to pray for a moment. And as, as God leads, I pray that you'll respond. Father, thank you for being our good shepherd, our faithful shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for being my shepherd. 
And Lord, in whatever way you choose today, I, I pray that you would minister powerfully to the people that are here, those that are listening this morning. I, I pray that they would be able to, to personalize the scripture this morning and be able to say as David, that the Lord is my shepherd. In him, I have no need. You provide everything for me. From, from, the very, from the very physical things in my life, you provide. You're faithful. You are good. To the uncertainties in my life where, where I'm, not, I'm not sure how, how things are going to turn out and, and I'm not sure of your plan. I can't see your plan. You're faithful. You're our, you're our shepherd. When, when, uh, when I, my heart is troubled and I'm overwhelmed and I'm, I'm grieved and, and, and I hurt and I don't understand all that's happening around me and I don't understand why I'm going through these circumstances, you are our shepherd, and you make us to lie down in green pastures. In other words, we rest in you. You are my shepherd, and I love you, Jesus. I love you, for you're my shepherd. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for laying down in the door, in the door of the doorway, so that so that the enemy would not consume my soul. But you, God, laid your life down and gave your life for mine, paid the price for my sins. So that could be in your family. Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I pray that everyone here today would be able, God, to say, I rest in Jesus. I rest in knowing him as Savior and Lord. But God, if there are some that have never trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, from right where they are, God, I pray that they would, they would ask Jesus to be their shepherd. To be the Lord and Savior of their life. Right where they are, they would pray and ask the Lord to, to, to save them that they would believe on Christ as Savior and Lord, that they would ask for forgiveness, that you, God, would cleanse them of their sins and that you would be in fellowship with them. So there may be someone today that says, I need Jesus to be my shepherd. The invitation is for you. Come to Christ. I pray for those today that are in our fellowship that are not resting at all. They're restless because they're trying to control their lives. They're trying to dictate their steps. They're trying to plan everything out according to the way they want things. They're, they're trying to trust in their own understanding. And I know you gave us common sense, but we're not that good. And forgive us for ever thinking that, that we could try to live our lives on, on our own, on, on our own understanding, on our own direction, on our own time. You, Lord, are our shepherd. We follow you. We hear your voice. We need, we need to patiently follow you, God, and wait for you. So if there are people here today that are restless, restless in their relationship with you, God, would you put them at ease today? Would you help them some way, somehow know your plan is for your glory and for their good? Lord, whatever may be on our hearts today, I pray that we're able to give it to you and pray about it. If there's someone today that needs to be ministered to, I pray that they would not be ashamed or too scared to come and receive prayer, to receive ministry. Maybe someone today, it, they're restless in the fact that they don't know what awaits them physically. And maybe they do need to be prayed over for healing. Maybe the healing's beyond the physical. Maybe the healing needs to happen spiritually in their lives, Lord. Would you, would you do something wonderful this morning and, and, and bless this time of invitation? And I pray for obedience. That's all I pray for, for obedience across this auditorium, Lord. I pray that people would come to you, would know you as Savior, would know you as God, that they would claim you as their shepherd in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to respond in any way, you come. Just, just be obedient, okay? But you come. The Lord is my shepherd.